Hello, it's August 5th, 2019. This is Future Vision. Thanks for listening. Today, we'll talk about the new age space race, electric boats, and a fresh new look at organ transplants. An Irish teenager has just won a $50,000 prize for coming up with a new way of removing microplastics from water. This year's Google Science Fair, where students aged 13 through 18 can submit experiments and their results in front of a panel of judges, was won by 18-year-old Fionn Fieria for his methodology of removing microplastics from water. Microplastics are those tiny little balls that you often find in soaps, shower gels, and facial scrubs because of their ability to exfoliate the skin. However, these plastics do have a habit of making their way into waterways and are virtually impossible to remove through filtration. Small fish then eat those microplastics, and as larger fish eat smaller fish, these plastics then make their way up the food chain until eventually they wind up in your fillet of fish. Fieria's innovation combines oil and magnite powder to create ferrofluid in the water containing microplastics. The microplastics mix with the ferrofluid, which is then extracted with a magnet, leaving only water. Fiera hopes that the technology will be able to be scaled up and implemented at wastewater treatment facilities. Now that might be an impressive enough of an accomplishment for a teenager, or really anybody for that matter. I mean, I've been wearing the same pair of sweatpants for the past five days, but for Fiera, it's just another day. He's also the curator at the Shaw Planetarium, speaks three languages fluently, won 12 previous science fair competitions, plays the trumpet in an orchestra, and has a minor planet named after him by MIT. Pretty impressive. A brand new, first-of-its-kind method has brought the field of tissue engineering one step closer to being able to 3D print a full-sized adult human heart. According to a paper published recently by a team of researchers from Carnegie Mellon University, the new technique called Freeform Reversible Embedding of Suspended Hydrogels, or FRESH, allows scientists to overcome many challenges associated with existing 3D bioprinting methods and to achieve unprecedented resolution and fidelity using soft and living materials. Instead of me sounding like a bozo trying to explain how all this actually works, here's PhD student and part of the research team, Andrew Hudson, to walk us through it. So what we're really excited about is developing a technique to 3D print collagen. Uh, collagen is kind of an extremely desirable biomaterial to 3D print with because it makes up literally every single tissue in your body. What makes it so hard to 3D print, however, is that it starts out as a fluid. So if you try and print this in air, it just forms a puddle on your build platform. 
So developing a technique that prevents it from deforming, but also finding a way to initiate a pH change and to neutralize it in order to cause it to gel, as opposed to a thermoplastic which needs to be melted and cooled, which are easier to 3D print. So with those things combined, we've developed this entire uh, tissue engineering platform for regenerative medicine for anything like wound repair or any type of bioengineering, and it can all be implemented on a 3D printer that you can essentially buy for anything like a high school uh, for very low cost. Now, obviously, like everything we talk about here on Future Vision, there is still years of research needed to be done on Fresh, but that won't stop me from looking forward and getting excited about future applications Fresh could be used for in regenerative medicine, from wound repair to organ bioengineering, once we really begin to see a convergence in technologies in the areas of stem cell science, machine learning, and computer simulation, as well as 3D bioprinting hardware and software, organ transplant wait lists may be a thing of the past. Coming up, we'll get an update on just how long it may be until we can all afford to be space tourists. But first, the electric revolution is getting ready to hit the high seas. Now we've seen ships that have switched to electric before, but they're mainly ferries operating over short distances. However, Colorline, a cruise ferry line operator in Norway, took delivery earlier this week of what they say is the world's largest plug-in hybrid ship called the MS Color Hybrid. The ship will sail in and out of the Sanderfjord Fjord virtually silently and without emissions of harmful environmental gases. The ship's 5 megawatt hour battery pack, which weighs 65 tons, has the equivalent power of 50 Tesla Model S's. The ship has a capacity of 2,000 passengers plus 500 cars and will provide significantly increased capacity on the route between Norway and Sweden. Norway is already a leader in electric car adaption as well as in the deployment of electric powertrains in sea transport and electric air transport which is part of the Nordic country's effort to reduce emissions in all sectors. Congratulations to Frankie Zapata! If you remember, a couple weeks ago we talked about Frankie and his planned attempt to cross the English Channel on his hobgoblin-like flying glider. Well, after his first try ended with him crashing into the water, the French inventor got back on his board yesterday and successfully made the 20-minute crossing on his flying machine, which can reach an altitude of 500 feet. Frankie says his next project will be a flying car. I'm sick of your boring space launches. Now, I'm just an ordinary blue-collar slob, but I know what I like on TV. And another thing, how come I can't get no tang around here? 
welcome to the Space Race Part 2, where we do our best to keep track of our exponentially quickening pace towards where no man has gone before. A possible future home for humanity may have just been discovered. Using TESS, NASA's most powerful planet-hunting telescope ever, astronomers have discovered a total of 850 potential new planets, including the one we're talking about called GJ357, sitting in the Hydra constellation just a measly 31 light-years away. GJ357 is a super-Earth six times the size of our own planet and scientists believe it may have a dense atmosphere which could trap enough heat to allow for liquid water on its surface and possibly even support life. Two next generation telescopes, hopefully coming within the next six years, will be able to give us a much more detailed idea of what GJ is actually like including whether the planet has mountains or oceans, just like here on Earth. It's almost mind-boggling to remember that really, not that long ago, we didn't actually have any proof, any proof, that planets existed outside of our own solar system, and now we're finding them by the boatloads. Now, we're not quite ready to make the trip to GJ, but we are getting much closer to returning to the moon. A couple of prototypes of SpaceX's Starship could be ready to fly by the end of the month, at least according to the always optimistic Elon Musk. Differing from Starhopper, which completed an untethered hop debut on July 25th, these prototypes will be 45 to 50 meters tall and hopefully we'll be able to hit orbital space. We should learn a whole lot more about SpaceX's plans come August 24th. That's when the rocket company is holding their annual presentation where they are expected to give a detailed review of the first orbital starship and explain the pros and cons of each design decision. One thing we do know is that SpaceX is working with NASA to develop tech to refuel spacecraft while in orbit, which would be an important step in the development of the company's super heavy rocket. A spacecraft being able to refuel while in space would greatly improve the efficiency of space travel, the idea would be to first launch a tank full of propellant into space, leave it there in orbit, then starships will be able to hook up to it and top off their tanks. Rocket boosters use most of their fuel in order to get out of Earth's gravity, so any weight they could shed from liftoff, like the extra fuel needed to get from orbit to the moon or Mars, would drop the price of the launch significantly. Theoretically, if you built a series of these depots along the way, it would allow Starship to explore the furthest reaches of our solar system for a price that could be low enough that the average Joe could actually buy a ticket for the ride. 
That's it for today. We'll catch you on Wednesday. Thank you very much for listening.